Your count gun is so a Carly-esque. I... <laughs> but Freddie would never say the one. He would just You're point. You're right. Five, four, three, two. two. Yeah. Hey now, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to This Is Not A History Lecture. Yes, we are happy to have you. We are happy to be here. Kat, did you know that it is our fir- fourth episode? Four. Ooh, that's so fancy. I, I'm saying that because it's like a month. Four four oh weeks is a month. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> we, have a, we have survived snow. I still don't have hot water, but we have survived outages. We have survived everything. Everything. <laughs> God forbid we survive anything more. <laughs> a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we're doing, we're doing pretty okay. Oh now I just have God. to get through midterm. Do we even have midterms? I don't. What's happening with our school schedule? Uh, I think everything's going to get adjusted because of I hope so. The storm. I mean, most of our professors are pretty reasonable. Most. most. <laughs> Ken and I are in all the same classes. Yeah. The, the joys of being together literally 24-7. 24-7. But we're also always around the same other students who don't know that we do this. So we yeah. can never talk about this. Yeah. And like, we'll give each other side eyes. I know. Sometimes. We were playing... <laughs> We started playing D&D with them last night, which just, again, tells you what kind of people we are. Um, and, you know, it's I made a joke about us starting a D&D podcast, and I think it freaked Kat out a little I, bit. I looked at you in the eyes, and I was like, no, not today. We can't, like, dox can't, ourselves today. You can't say the P word. Uh, oh eventually, they're, they're going to find out, I'm sure. But Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. I mean, eventually I'm gonna have to post something on my TikTok about this to yeah. my uh, to her 25,000 followers. <laughs> we don't talk about that. I talk about it. Yeah. Um, I if you want to follow me, oh my gosh, yes, follow me at TikTok. Um, I'm the low key catastrophe. <laughs> catastrophe is spelled with a K. With a K. You should you should follow her. It's a good time. Yeah. Lots of content. That's again similar to what we do. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of weird content, but. I'm going to post something eventually on there about this, and since all of our classmates follow me, they're all going to (laughs) know. What a way to find out. (laughs) Really, though. I think every, like, podcast, unless you're just, like, you know, unashamed, which is a great thing to be, you have a stage where, like, I don't want to tell anyone. (laughs) I got to build my confidence first. Build our our base. Get more than, like, a couple episodes. If you want to, hey, if you want to help us build our confidence, share with your friends. Who we don't know in person. Yeah. That would be be really nice, guys. (laughs) Any history nerds? I know every, like, few months someone posts on my, like, Facebook feed. And they're like, hey, any good podcast recommendations? And it's going to feel really (laughs) weird promoting myself. But Yeah. No, that would be. I don't know if I would be like, oh, by the way. I have a podcast. I have a podcast. <laughs> it's like it's like the guys who are like, oh, you want music racks? When you listen to my SoundCloud, <laughs> except not as bad. <laughs> True. Oh but, my gosh. Yeah, I think we both are surviving. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Big big news. We hit fifty downloads. That's fun. Yeah. I, um, thanks, guys. Yeah. In under a month, that is really That's cool. Solid. Um. Yeah, we've had oh, and we have another international listener. Ooh. Well, maybe they just clicked on us, but thank you if it's if, you. If it's you, thank you. Um, glad to have you. Love to have you. Yeah. Um, any other updates, Kat? I am now the proud owner of a nineteen nineteen. Um, 
Typewriter? Typewriter. Typewriter. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. I say, my collections are growing. Eventually, I'm just going to have to... Well, we Didn't you knew. just get, like, an antique set of silver or yeah. something? Yeah. yeah. So, my grandparents are um, moving, and they're downsizing. So, this is the time when the family goes through all of the belongings, and I can't be there, and I couldn't be there last week because of the snow and everything, but my mom keeps sending me pictures, and she's like... You're the antique one. Do you want this and this and this? And this morning she even sent me a picture of like a 1920s, I'm guessing, hair crimper. Mm-hmm. Like the kind that you put in the, like, wasn't even electric yet. Like the kind you that just you just heated up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I was like, I mean, if no one else in the family wants it, I, I feel bad taking all the special antique stuff, but I am the like antique one out of the grandkids and everything. Yeah. So I'm just creating a collection. I'm going to be set for decorations when I move into my first house. Oh, yeah. Well, see, the that's good for you, Kat. But if yeah. it's my parents who have been moving out, so my grandparents aren't alive. My great-grandparents are. So my grand, my parents have been working on moving out my great-grandparents um, from their house. And unfortunately, me and my mother have similar tastes. <laughs> <laughs> so she usually gets first dibs just because I'm not physically there to right. get first dibs. And there's a lot of things in my mom's house now that I'm like, hmm. <laughs> but if you think about it, when your parents downsize someday, you'll Some, get that. Someday. Or you can just do that thing where something just disappears from the house and they don't notice no, for another five years. No, these are like integral things to my mother. Oh. There's one thing my mom doesn't know about. It's her decorations. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to just make things disappear. Although I do do that to her sweatshirts a lot. <laughs> mm. That's fair. Clothing is a different story. That is. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. Anyway. Been a good week. It's been a good week. I don't know. What do people care about in our lives? We have a little field trip coming up Tuesday. I'm so excited. Actually, to, oh, like it's an my. optional field trip, so we're just going to go for the food truck part of it. I know. <laughs> I'm just excited to get a grilled cheese. I'm <laughs> supposed to have a really good grilled cheese food truck, and that's all that I care about there. Yeah. Um, since we're not revealing our location, we won't say where we're going because but. it's very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> if we but say it, we all know. <laughs> <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be food trucky. It'll be interesting. I'm not going for the actual thing. I'm going for the food trucks. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing There's nothing there to see. Have you ever been? Yes. There's nothing there. No. There's People not. travel from all over the country. I know. To see nothing. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, anyway. Say lovey. Maybe one day when we're done with this program and we're both moved. We're going to, we'll dox ourselves, post dox ourselves about yeah. where we lived and, and did we'll, our degree. Maybe we'll do a little uh, to talk about how we feel about certain things about where we live. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, yeah. So t- by the time we post this, it's going to be Women's History Month. Oh, yeah. Real quick, before you say that. Yeah. We have finally settled on a day and time to post. We say finally. that. <laughs> we say that. For right now, I think it's good. Yeah. From Because we record on Sundays and... Getting it out by Monday morning, Sunday night, is just a really fast turnaround for yeah. for us. So we settled on Tuesday mornings at 9, nine yes. Eastern mm. time. So I guess it would be 8 Central time. I've never That's, heard how that works. <laughs> That's when it posts like, through our host website. Is Apparently they're all in Eastern time, which would have been nice to know. But it's okay. I figured it out. Um, so I think it's going to be 8 Eastern time, 9 Central time. And then I can't do the rest of the time zones. Yeah. But, so just so you know, we can kind of say that. So everyone who does 
care to listen to future episodes, we'll have that information. Um, we forgot to mention it last time, but I think that puts us in a good place. It gives us all of Monday to kind of um, work on episode name and um, description and all that, like, all that, jazz. All that fine, finicky stuff that's yeah. kind of annoying, but it's okay. It's and all part we, of it. And if anything <laughs> ever gets updated about our time, date, et cetera, we'll post it on our Twitter as yes, well. Yes, T-I- N-A-H-L podcast. At T-I-N-A-H-L podcast. That's where you can find us on Twitter. Kat's doing an amazing job over there. I keep forgetting hashtags. <laughs> Except she's keep forgetting hashtags. Um, oh, we're maybe good. not that great of a job, yeah. but it's okay. It's <laughs> like my one job. I forget hashtags every time, which is weird because I use them on TikTok. So like you would yeah, think you I do. know about that. You'd think. You'd think. Um, I'm working on it. Um, but yeah. It's okay. It's a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> Just like everything is here. Yeah. But Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's... Wait, wait, wait. Women's history. Women's history. Yeah. So we realized that we've also unintentionally done, like, all women the past few weeks. Yeah, and it's it's happening again today. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we're going to try to spice it up because we promised a wide variety, but next month is Women's History Month, so by the time this one's posted, it will be Women's History Month. So this will be our first official episode in Women's History Month. Yes. Um, Which I'm glad we unintentionally caught that because it's nice to, like, know. We need to really, like, write these things down. I know. Well, my laptop reminded me. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So, yeah, so we unintentionally are doing this, but hey, I mean, I think y'all know that we appreciate women enough and women's history. Yeah, we just want to make sure that we have a wide variety. Yeah, we're not a women's history podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, we want to make that clear because I think it's easy, especially for us to kind of stumble into because it's like... It's like, oh, we we like hearing about Yeah, it's like, do we really need to hear about Napoleon again? Exactly. (laughs) Like, we're trying to find niche stuff, but sometimes that comes with its own gender. Yeah, usually... Like, a lot of niche history is women's history. Yeah, and if we did four more weeks of that, y'all would have, like, eight or nine straight weeks of yeah, just women. So we're not going to do that We're not going to do that to you. So next episode, we're going to try to spice it up. Yeah. So. So, yeah. It's our mission statement <laughs> to be diverse and more than just women. But yes. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Well, <clears throat> without further ado, Kat, would you like to... Start sure. us off. You know, maybe it's good that we keep this pattern of me going first because that way people know if they hate my stories or my voice or something, they can just skip 30 minutes ahead and go straight <laughs> to yours every time. I'm sure they love you, Kat. Maybe they just think it's a little boring that week. <laughs> <laughs> or alternatively, if you just really are annoyed by me, you can just end the episode after Kat. <laughs> so we'll just keep it steady. We'll, instead of going back and forth. I'll just... Instead of having to be like, wait, who's doing it first this time? <laughs> yeah. That, okay. And then I don't have to worry, think about mine while... You do yours. And then yeah, Kat, Kat has more of an anxiety brain than I do, so I know she'd be sitting here the and whole time, like, not even focusing on what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's so funny, because I used to not, but... Shit happens. It does. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, life trauma. <laughs> um, okay, so, first of all, another shout-out to National Women's History Museum for great articles that, like, give you the groundwork, and then we can go back and find more research in other places. They've got some really great like biographies and articles about women that are that give you a really good foundation for knowledge on their lives. So, yeah. Um let's talk about Bessie Coleman. Ooh, mm-hmm. who's that? Wait, you mentioned her. You name dropped a little bit last time. I did a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. So, it has a connection to last week's podcast. Um and I did not realize it until I was almost done researching it. We'll, we'll get there. But mm-hmm. there is a connection to Ida B. Wells. Yeah, you got to save that for the end. Yeah. And this is the woman that I mentioned during our Tuskegee Airmen episode when we were talking about who inspired them, who kind of, like, 
help them break boundaries. And oh, that really that. badass woman who's like yes. half Native American? Yes. Oh my God. So yes. Today, this week we were going to talk about Bessie Coleman. Um, for context, commercial air flights still far in the future. Um, World War II presents one of the first massive pushes for air flight, air power, air development, planes in general, um, civilian training through the army. So this is a pretty big time for the evolution of not just military planes, but planes in general. Um, but she was Bessie Coleman, also known as Elizabeth. Well, I should say that the other way around. Elizabeth was her full name. She was known as <laughs> Bessie. Um, she was born in Atlanta, Texas. What? Represent home state. Atlanta, Texas. I didn't know there was an That doesn't seem real. We both lived here forever. I've never even heard <laughs> of an Atlanta, Texas. Literally, where is it? Hold on. <laughs> going to look it up? All right, continue. I'll get back to you. Okay. It's Atlanta, Texas. Oh, city in Texas. Where is where, where is that? Maps. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. What? It's by nothing else. Oh, it's... Wait. Is that between Texarkana and Waco? Yeah, it's Texarkana. It's right by Texarkana. So really close to the Arkansas border. Oh, oh, okay. Over in East Texas. That makes sense why we haven't heard of it, because every town over there is the size of a, like... Except for Texoma. Small Texoma village. Texoma kind of bigger, but they've got a lake. They have, like, lake Texoma? People. Yeah, they've got, like, lake people with money. And yeah, but that's like, that's, like, not over in East Texas, is it? Nah, that's true. It's a little more north. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. <laughs> sidebar. She was born on January 26th, 1892, before the turn of the century. Her mother was African-American. Her father was Cherokee and African-American. She was the 10th. About that, we were momentarily interrupted by um, lack of storage space on the computer, but we're back. <laughs> so yes, she was the tenth of thirteen siblings, nine of which survived childhood. Okay, not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's, for, for, it's, it's sad, awful, but, but for mortality rate at the time period, not like, bad. That's, that's you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, how women had that many kids? I would be terrified. I'm terrified every single time to go through it thirteen times. I get why there was like that. Old lonely spinster like stereotype. Yeah. Because like I wouldn't want to have kids either, knowing the mortality rate of mothers, especially in Texas, that still has an incredibly poor Doesn't Texas have like the worst It's one of the worst in the it, US. It's no, it's like one of Texas is like worst out of the like first world nations. Probably. Yeah. It's it's really bad. Which is insane because the world's largest medical center is here. Yeah. Anyway. And yeah, we digress. <laughs> That's a whole different issue. We could go on a soapbox about that. Um they were living in the segregate, segregated South. They even had, like, a separate school um, for themselves because, again, segregation. She had to walk four miles to get there. Well, to go home and back. So she walked four miles for school. Uh-huh. I would not do that. I would just drop out, probably. <laughs> but she was really good at math. Um, and nice. she progressed really quickly in, like, STEM fields and engineering kind of stuff and just that, you know, basic math and all that. In 1901, though, her dad moved to Oklahoma, um, back to what I believe, it had a different name at the time period, but it was basically, like, what would be a reservation now, like, the land that the Cherokee people still had up okay. there. Is it, like, they I mean, had I don't, a is weird it, name for it, like, a historic oh, okay. term. Because when I, so my family has these, like, old letters, um, between, like, one of my family members and his daughter and the daughter like lived with native americans and oh. so they called it like all the letters were addressed to indian territory that's probably yeah it, it was, might be that's the historical term i know at least but that's probably 
yeah, what they called it. Maybe, yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. But her mom wanted to stay in Texas, so the she and the children stayed in Waxahachie. And I cannot imagine being a single mom with nine kids. Oh, my God. Well, 13 originally. Can't imagine um, being a single mom with one child. I know. This woman. She, she needs her own day. Like, I need to find out who this right. woman was. Um, but... Young Bessie and her mom and some of her other siblings, they needed the money, so they did things like picking cotton and washing laundry so that she could save up for school. And eventually, she got into what's now Langston University, but she couldn't attend past the semester because of the financial mm. strain it put on them. <sighs> Free college. <laughs> Free college. <laughs> when she turns 23, she goes to live with her brothers in Chicago where she founded the Burnham School of Beauty and Culture in 1915. What? That's yeah. awesome. What? Oh, sorry. She attended. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was um, like, what? No, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So she could be... That's still cool, though. I know, right? Yeah. So she could be a manicurist. Okay. Awesome. And her brothers were in World War One, and they came back from France with all of these great stories about, like, women who could fly, women who trained for the army, and she was like, yeah, um... Can I please? And America at the time was nowhere near that awesome. And <laughs> she was super inspired and she got a second job so she could save up and try to accomplish her dreams of becoming a pilot. Good for her. Yeah. That's motivation. Again, these women in history are so motivated. I know. I'm like, if I don't... And I'm like, this is why I won't be in history books because I just... I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> I know. It's like someone would be like, hey, do you want to like work really hard? No. I no. Just, I just want... <laughs> I want to go to school, come home, watch Netflix, do my homework, and go to bed. Like, I know, I, like literally, that's all I can do in a day. Please don't ask anymore. <laughs> we should take it easy on ourselves, though, because we're also in the middle of a pepperoni. And, that's true. Um, There's not much we can be doing right now. Yeah. But um, I found some articles that actually mentioned that she was very briefly married in 1917 to a man named Claude Glenn. But okay. they must have separated soon after, and he didn't seem to be particularly influential in her life. He just kind of never gets mentioned again. I know. It's so funny when you find stuff like that because you're like, okay, you're just not going to mention that anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think, like, they they may probably, from what I can tell, there's a legal separation. Okay. Um, and he was just around for a couple years, and then she was like, nah, I'm going to focus on the cool stuff I do. Yeah. You know? Good for her. Yeah. And we talk about, like, the obstacles um, that African-American men faced during the founding of the Tuskegee Institute, but she faced, like, all of that plus misogyny. Yeah. So no one in America was And she to was her. native, too, so yeah. that's... Wow. Yeah, so literally no one's willing to teach this woman. And she realizes that if she can go to France, she can learn. Okay. <laughs> so, and so she finds her way to France, doesn't she? <laughs> so she starts taking night classes so she can learn French because the application has to be done in French. She learns a whole new language. What a queen. And applies. She gets accepted to the... Um, I'm really sorry. I'm going to botch this French pronunciation. Uh, let me see. It's, I know you took French. Took uh, kind of. Cadron. Uh, Cadron. Cadron yeah. Brothers School of Aviation in La Croix... Cretoy, France? Yeah. Le okay. Cretoy. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how else you would say. I took... It's like cauldron without the L. <laughs> okay, cool. I took German and sign language, so... Um. <laughs> Very different from French. <laughs> yeah. But she... She could sign it for you really well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> It doesn't really work for a did hearing media. Yeah. What? Audi audio. Audio, yeah. <laughs> Not visual. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so she gets accepted to... Um, and she yeah. works until she got her international pilot's license in June 25th of 1921. Wait. Oh, no. I was like, <laughs> I 
I heard the 25th, and that was, like, yesterday. I was like, wait, anniversary. No. <laughs> it's not June. It I wish the weather was nice like June. Nice. That's true. I anyway. lied. <laughs> Texas weather in June is not nice. Um, but she learns all these, like, fantastic trips, tricks and, like, loop-de-loops and figure eights and all this crazy, cool stunt stuff. And she starts to publicize herself. She shows footage of herself in different, like, community places to raise money, like, churches and schools. She launches her own PR career. Yeah, basically. Oh my goodness. And these stunt people were called barnstormers. Okay. So she's like this badass female like boundary breaking. I think she was the first, one of the first African-American women to receive an international pilot's license. And I'm pretty sure she was the first native one too. So this woman's just like killing it. She knows, she knows how to get what she wants. Mm -hmm. And she can't get like, more training, even with her qualifications and her international pilot's license, no one's willing to teach her in America. So in 1922, she goes back to Europe for two more months for training in France again. By 1922, she performs the first public flight demonstration by an African-American woman. And she won't perform anywhere segregated. Like, even when she comes back home, she's like, oh, hell no. Like That's so, uh good like, for her. I won't perform for you unless you're keeping things equal. Yeah, that's awesome. Good mm-hmm. for her. Yeah, and she really wanted to open up her own flight school. Um, it was like her end goal, dream kind of thing. And her uh, tricks were earning her attention not just in America, but Europe. Like, everyone was kind of media-wise obsessed with this woman who was like this daredevil stunt woman. And she was not only an inspiration for a lot of people, as we talked about in the Tuskegee episode, but she actively and vocally encouraged women to fly. Like, she would go to places and tell women, like, learn this. You can. It is possible. We can do this. <laughs> That's... A- mm-hmm. <sighs> we love to see it. Mm-hmm. We really do. Yeah. And... But in 1923, she survives her first plane crash. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Engine gave out, um, and she crash-landed. She had a couple broken ribs, a broken leg, and some really bad scratches that eventually healed. Um, after that, she ended up in New Orleans for a little while. She opens her own beauty shop to save up money so she can buy her own plane. Okay. And she's, you know, this okay, woman so has she, a like, license. Like, she's a, a pilot, and, like, obviously that's very, like, traditionally masculine. Mm-hmm. But she's opening a beauty shop. Yeah, I mean, she has her that's manicurist so cool. and salon license. Like, she's, yeah. she's really just like, I'll do it all. Like, yeah. Know? And so she saves up for her own plane. She was even offered a movie role. Um, really? Yeah, she was like a media sensation. Oh, and, I can imagine. Oh, that's true. And they told her that she wanted to perform the role of like a stereotypical depiction of race at the time. Like oh, the very like that's not good then. Yeah, and she told them no. Like she kind of out. minstrel show feel. Yeah, like okay. very derogatory, like stereotyping African Americans as yeah. like poor and and like weak, but also yeah, it was just yeah, a mess. Yeah, we and get she it. had said yes originally, but then mm-hmm. when she found out, she was like no, and she walked away, even though it would Good. have been a huge PR yeah, um, but rating for her. But I feel like she's very prideful and rightfully so. Yeah, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad like, she made that joke. Mad voice. props, yeah. for, You know, knowing mm-hmm. that could be a huge PR thing and being like, no, I've got yeah. I've got more than that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, so she was performing again by 1925, less than like three years after, no, two years after her stunt accident. She's wow. back in a plane. Um, and all of this stuff that she'd been doing in the meantime allowed her to save up for her own plane. 
And I know planes about as well as I know math, guys. So <laughs> I don't know what the technical terms, but it's called like a Jenny, like a JN4 with an OX5 engine. I saw pictures of it, and it's kind of what you would expect for the time period, but like. All, like so some of the stuff, the best we can do is just tell you what they're called. Yeah, and if you know planes, you know planes. <laughs> yeah, if then not, you'll know what that means. Yeah. If not, then you're you're like okay, just yeah. like us. <laughs> like, you can go Google it if you want. Like yep. you'll be able to find it. Um, but a lot of the planes she was flying were left over from the war because that's what's affordable, and a lot of them are not in great shape though. Like they've been through war. Obviously, these planes are not the highest of high yeah. quality anymore. Um, so she has her own plane now, and she brings it back to Texas for a show. Um, but there was still segregation at the time, and the managers of an event were like, okay, yeah, we are going to have separate ent- entrances for white and black people. And she was like, no, you're not. Everyone walks through the same gate, or I'm not performing for you. What a badass. Also, I just Googled it, and she's so cute. She's so cute. She just looks like a person that would make you so happy to be around. Yeah. Like, the kind of person that you walk, talk to for 20 minutes and she just inspires you to, like... Yeah. Sorry about that again. Uh, my laptop is apparently not handling it's recording okay. well today. We're gonna get Y'all know it. we're doing this on a budget. We're not yeah. using, like, the high up of equipment. But, oh, absolutely not. But, yeah. she's She looks so optimistic and happy, but the reason that all those photos look... so Of her are so young is because, unfortunately... Mm. She did die very young. Um, and so for those of you who are a little more sensitive to that stuff, uh, like, you might not want to listen to the next part. I am going to talk about, like, how she died. Um, and it was not, it was a, it was a plane accident. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly a peaceful, you know, when conversation. Sleep. Yeah. It was um, natural causes. So if you don't like hearing about this stuff or planes really freak you out, like, go ahead and <laughs> skip, yeah, ahead, skip a ahead a little bit. They got the skip things on the podcast yeah (laughs) yeah just a warning for those Mm -hmm. of you who might be not as okay with that topic um yeah if you're afraid of heights don't don't listen to this part um so she was in dallas uh bessie coleman was in dallas when she brought bought another jenny another plane kind of like the old one she had and her she had a mechanic publicity agent named william wills who was going to fly it up to her for her next show but he had to make multiple stops along the way because the plane hadn't been well, care- well cared for and it was, like, really making some weird sounds and it was not functioning right. Her family and friends told her, like, do not fly this plane. It is not safe. P- like, please don't. Yeah. Wait till it's fixed up. Um, but on April 30th of 1926, she got in the passenger seat of the plane for a test flight with Wills, who was in the pilot seat. Um... And they were going to test it out before her show to make sure... That's that's the one blessing, is that this was a, this was a test flight. There was no one... Yeah, not like an audience. It was not an audience. Yeah. Um, that ooh, that yeah, would have been... Really, really bad. Um, mm-hmm. Not that this isn't awful already, but yeah. they go up together. One account says that she didn't buckle in because she was, trying, she was planning a parachute trick the next day and wanted to be able to lean over the cockpit to see what the lay of the land was. Um, another just said that she just didn't buckle in because, you know, it's an open top plane. She'd done this millions of times. Why, why would you, you know, there's, yeah. there's nothing you're going to crash or anything. Especially if you're as, like, familiar with. Yeah. And when you're, when you're up in that high altitude, it's not like landing or taking off where it's going to be bumpy. She It should have yeah. been smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. So she didn't have a seatbelt on. Um, and either way, it probably wouldn't have done anything. Yeah. Um, 
But they get up about 3,000 feet in the air, and Wills, they had, they were trying to fix the plane, like, make sure they could see what was going on, figure out what was the issues were, and they had tools in the plane with them. And somehow a loose wrench falls into the engine. Oh, no. The plane does a sharp dive. Oh, no. Flips. And Coleman didn't have a seatbelt on, and there was no oh. roof in the plane. <gasps> and she plummets oh 2,000 feet. Oh. Um, human beings reach terminal velocity, like free fall, at about 1,500 so she was dead upon impact. Um, wow. But even if she had been, even if she had a seatbelt, um, it wouldn't have done anything. Wills was yeah. Wills was able to stay in the plane until it crash landed a few feet away and it exploded upon impact. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. I wow. I mean. Ugh. I know. Out of ways to die, it's one of those things like. When you do a risky thing for a job, I mean, that goes for medical professionals, especially mm-hmm. right now in a pandemic. Like, the terrifying thing is that you do what you love and what you feel like you need to do with your life. And yeah, you know the There's risks always you that take. Risk. Yeah. yeah. But it's also, like, in theory, if there are just a few more safety precautions or... Yeah. It, it's... it's Especially it being a wrench, and they found that out because when they went to the wreckage, even after it exploded, they found the wrench in the mm. engine. And so it's like you can't even predict for freak accidents like that. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, you know, freak, freak accidents are why we have so many safety precautions. Right. Like, now. And you even know, with and this safety, was the 19, what, 20s? 20s. Yeah. 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 So, like, even now, though, like cars and stuff yeah like still sometimes crazy you can't things. stop oh, what yeah. happens i mean you know accidents happen yeah every day yeah and it, there's no matter no even if every car was like self-driving yeah it, something would be. find a way to happen yeah mm-hmm. and so she was 34 when she died mm-hmm. um and i can't imagine dying like i'm i'm scared of heights but like that's just yeah yeah. Um, yeah. So Bessie Coleman died at age 34. Um, we talked about Ida B. Wells last week, and she ended up giving a funeral service for Coleman in Chicago, which is which is incredible to think that I these know. two women because he was so also a such, great crossover episode. I know, I right? Know. Like I almost, you are bringing in two of your past episodes. I know, Skiggy <laughs> and Ida B. Wells. Um, what history is connected? What? <laughs> but it is weird because I think of. Like, if you think of plane and flight stuff, you think, like, later in that century. Yeah. And not suffragette, anti-slavery, anti-lynching, like, Ida B. Wells. But, yeah, they were alive at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, Coleman was buried in Lincoln Cemetery in Cook County, Illinois. Um, And a lot of the press, even though she had been, like, a media sensation, a lot of the press ignored it. They just, like, didn't say anything about it. Um, But through Ida B. Wells and a lot of... Chicago had a lot of um, black-founded and uh, based newspapers. And they, like, advertised the living daylights out of her funeral services. Like, really, you know, they they paid attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that brought 10,000 mourners to the ceremonies in Chicago. Um, And it was largely in part due to the African-American press in Chicago. Yeah. 
Um, and to this day, she, like, leaves behind such a legacy that, like, I don't know how you don't hear about it. Um, the Challenger yeah. Pilots Association of Chicago, they do a flyover for her grave every single year. Wow. She inspired John Robinson, the father of the Tuskegee Airmen. Mm-hmm. And she was famously flying even before Amelia Earhart made her lauded flight in 1928. Wow. Um by 1977, the Bessie Coleman Aviators Club was formed by African-American women. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. She got a stamp even dedicated to her in 1995. Yes. Commemoration. Nice. The street near her beauty parlor in New Orleans was named after her in 2013. Aww. She's known as Brave Bessie and Queen Bess. And she said the only... The, the, sorry. She said that the air is the only place free from prejudices. And wow. she also said, if I can create the minimum... if. I can create the minimum of my plans and desires. There shall be no regrets. And I love that. Like, wow. What a cool lady. Yeah. She was seems so optimistic that, like, if I can achieve the bare minimum, then, yeah. like, I won't, I won't be sad about my life. And I feel like that's so interesting for a woman who did die young, like, unfortunately. And she never got to found her own school like she wanted to. Yeah. But she had all these organizations named after her or created in her honor. And um, what is... The first African-American um, in space, is it Mae, Mae Jensen? Was that her I'm name? I'm not sure. Um, but she, I think that's her name. I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong. Um, but she also talked about Bessie Coleman in one of her interviews. Wow. saying like That's really cool. I was in, like, space travel seems so radical, but Bessie Coleman was doing this too. And, yeah. And, and, you know, for them, this was space travel. Yeah. I know. So. Well, well that was, that was a really yeah. good one. I'm yeah. glad you covered her. Yeah. Because I think. You. During the Tuskegee Airmen story, like, I was like, hold on now. You're just going to glare, glare, glance over that. Glance yeah. over that way. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Total badass. Yeah. Lover. Good job, Kat. Thank you. I'm, good job. Good good story this week. Thank you. I'm like, and honestly, guys, go look up her picture. She was, just looks like a ray of sunshine. Yeah. She seems very nice and sweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Who are you doing this week? Um, okay, so this week, I also have a pretty interesting woman. Um, props to Kat, she actually reminded me that this woman existed, which, um, I think, frankly, the whole world needs to be reminded that she existed, because, oh my god, (laughs) what a freaking badass. (laughs) We both got some badasses this week. I know, it was a good episode. Yeah, this is solid. Um, so this week, I am going to be talking about, um, a woman named Ching Shi. Um, who is claimed as, who is credited as the most successful pirate in history. Yes! Um, which, for that to be a woman, are you kidding? Uh Uh-huh. A woman and an Asian, a Chinese woman as the most successful pirate in history. I mean, I know everyone thinks of pirates, they think of, like, European men. I think you think of, like, Blackbeard. Yeah, exactly. The mythology. And we'll talk about, like, Blackbeard and all that stuff. But, um, okay. yeah. oh my god, what, what an insane lady. Um, total, total badass. So, Ching Shi was born in 1775. Um, her name actually directly translates into, um, the widow of Ching. Um, okay. because her wife was named, um, was named, I, the romanization of, um, non, like, alphabetical languages mm-hmm. gets a little foggy especially when wait her wife 
No, no, no. The romanization of the languages. No, 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 no. Did you say her wife? Her husband. Oh, okay. I thought you said her wife. No, no, like, no, no, no. Please she... tell me this woman no. was gay. That's going to make the story so much we better. We will have an LGBT audience member. Not audience. Story. Story character okay. here coming up but um cool. not her as far as we know okay. i mean it's possible i wouldn't put it past her but <laughs> um so like i was saying like the romanization of non-alphabetical like 26 letter alphabetical languages gets a little tricky because it wasn't standardized i think until like the 1970s oh god um so that's why if you ever like look up historical asian like people um there's going to be a million ways to spell their name like because it's just like not standardized yet and so they're like translating from kind of what that the sounds sound like into like your standard english alphabet Mm -hmm. and so that's why there's so many so sorry one if i say the wrong version of the name of these people in this story and two i i also just apologize for mispronouncing um yeah we we both were raised in texas and while we both had to learn other languages um pronunciations in texas like i had a teacher for a foreign language who would pronounce things in another language but still with a texas accent and that's how it's done (laughs) so yeah our um our accents might shine through in places you never saw coming so yeah so ching shi just basically means widow of ching and so uh her husband eventually is named um uh, zong yi which is also translated to chung yi or ching yi again there's like a million ways but so uh, anyway okay so widow of her husband that's her name her birth name is not really known actually just as a disclaimer even though this literally she is the most like factual numbers based she's the most successful pirate in history there's very little known about her, um, and frankly, she does not get the credit that she deserves, and I don't know why there's not a million books written on this woman, because, oh my yeah. god. Um, probably because she was a pirate, and it's really hard, unless you were just a super famous um, outlaw, they're not going to like keep information about you, yeah. you know? Um, so that definitely adds to it. So she was born poor, um, as so many of these people are, um, because, again, it kind of instills you with that, like, fighting mm-hmm. thing. So she was born poor. It's not clear where she was born, but she w- she did grow up in the Chinese city of Canton, um, which is where, like, Cantonese and everything comes from. Hmm. Um, so her, like I said, her birth name is Devated, Um and uh, so is her birthplace. Like, again, very little is known about this early part of her life. I mean, if you're going to be, like, one of the most swashbuckling pilots, you have to have, like, a mysterious past. Yeah. You oh, can't, you that's can't exactly true. Like, well, we're getting into it. Ooh, so okay. at an early age, not – well, considering the time, not too early. Around 13 or 14, she was forced into prostitution um, to help pay for her family. Um and, uh, again, just as a disclaimer, a lot of sources will say different things. Um, this was a really interesting story to look up because I feel like most of her history, especially her early history and her later history, is just kind of word of mouth, like, rumor-based. Yeah. Even in, like, 
academic sources. Well, it's crazy, too, um, because really old stuff, like, they didn't write stuff down. Yeah. It's oral Well, the thing histories. is, too, is it's 1775. So, like, America was going to be oh created gosh. the next year. And, like, we have all of that documented. This is just happening. So, she died in 1884. Her, like, years of activity really? were, like, yeah. That's more modern than I imagined. I know. Right? Her years of activity were, like, in the 1810s and 1820s. Oh, okay. So, like, not... To where it's, like, so long ago that they're not writing stuff down. Again, I think most of it comes from the fact that she was an outlaw and a pirate. There should be more info on her, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, like, it's not like pirates were, like, keeping court documents, you know? Like, (laughs) um, I wish they would because that would be fun. But, (laughs) um, so, yeah. So, she was... Uh, again, uh, forced into prostitution um, to help supplement family income. And it was interesting since Canton was a uh, port city, a lot of their brothels were floating brothels. And um, there were these really ornate boats. And they weren't just brothels. They were kind of like pleasure boats. Um, And you get that a lot in like, from what I can understand a lot in like uh, kind of East Asian um, communities where they'll have like certain parts of town, certain buildings where they kind of like dedicate, mm-hmm. like they call it like the pressure, pleasure areas. So it's not just, you know, physical, like sexual pleasure. It's like plays and, yeah. and artists and singing and all of that stuff. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's, it's really interesting. So like this was a brothel and these, these floating brothels were called flower boats which if you take the time to Google them, they were very ornate, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I was reading one article that said, the Chinese believe that the rocking motion of, uh, sorry if this is a little explicit. Um, If if you have any (laughs) children listening, you might want to skip ahead a few seconds, but it said the rocking motion of the boat was supposed to increase sexual pleasure. So I guess, I mean, I help, help a guy out a little bit, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Um, So, and I don't want to get too deep into these kind of pleasure boat, flower boat things, because uh, as I've mentioned, sex history is like my favorite part of history. And I probably will be doing an episode on it later, like with more specifics. That'd be cool. You should. Yeah. yeah because well, I definitely want to do one over like Japanese pleasure quarters. And I'm sure Chinese has like similar but different, but definitely worthy of its own. Of its own podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically all y'all need to know. But. Um, if you're interested, I will do an episode on I'm it later. Gonna, I'm going to call it now. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, again, it's really hard. Um, not much was known about her time as a prostitute. She was apparently rumored to have several high-status clients, including court uh, courtiers, court people, <laughs> um, military officials, and wealthy merchants. Um, and she was apparently supposed to be beautiful. And... Uh, the next thing it. we know is uh, that she's meeting her husband. And now I have found no less than four to five different accounts on how her and her Uh-oh. husband met. And again, this is where that word of mouth thing comes from. So just for fun, I'm going to give you a brief overview of all of them. Um, yeah. So her husband is named Zhang Yi, and he is a pirate at this time. Um, he is the commander of the Red Fleet. Um, and just as a quick kind of setting the scene here pirates of um this area of china were extremely organized and i'm not going to get into that either because that would make a really cool because their organization was like insane they basically functioned as like 
a whole navy, oh. but just outside of like oh. the law. Um, they were extremely organized to the point where certain fleets, there were five different colored flags of fleets and, um, she, uh, Ching Shi is involved with the red fleet, but there's the black fleet, the green fleet, the blue fleet, and I think the gray fleet. And they all had different areas that were their territories. They all knew not to like steal from each other. It was very like, when you talk about like honorable, um, like outlaws, honorable thieves, like these guys were it. I mean, they raped and pillaged, but like they were organized. (laughs) (laughs) They're not good people. They They just had a system. (laughs) (laughs) They knew not to encourage infighting (laughs) because they knew like it would have, it would be bad for them ultimately. And this is how like Ching Shi just got so powerful because of these like seriously structured organizational things. Um, but again, I don't want to get too deep into all of that because, um, that would be really cool for another episode. So anyway, so um, Zhang Yi is her future husband. And these are the ways that they are rumored to have met. The first one is love at first sight. Oh, Zhang Yi saw her when he came onto the prostitute boat one day. I'm sorry, the uh, floating, the flower boat one day. And <laughs> said, I like that lady. <laughs> She's going to be my wife. And she was like, okay, you're a powerful pirate. Cool. Um, and I think that's really the consensus in all of these stories is, uh, Ching Shi was very, she was very much a businesswoman. She very much saw Zhang Yi as a way for her to gain power and gain it quickly. Um, yeah. So that's like the one common theme through all these stories. Um, uh, unfortunately this next one doesn't really kind of leave room for that, but the next one is that simply Zhang Yi, um, had his men abduct her and force her into marriage which is sad, but also a possibility. A little more believable than the love at first sight. Yeah. But we can dream. Um, this next one is pretty fun. So he, Zhang Yi, kidnapped her and several other women from the uh, boat. And um, she actually was rumored to have outsmarted him and kind of tricked his crew and him and, like, managed to escape. But then they, like, recaptured her, but Zhang Yi was so, like, kind of, like, wow, this woman's, like, smart and Ooh. creative. I like that. And so then they got married. <laughs> yeah, I like that one the best yeah, so far. Yeah, that one's pretty cool. And then, so, and then the next one is that Zhang Yi, just through the grapevine, um, heard of her, like, business prowess and Ooh. was very attracted by that. Um, I mean, it sounds like she was really good at her job. Like, she yeah. had high-ranking yeah. clients No, that's stuff, true. So. That's true. Um, she really, like, uh, she was definitely a shrewd businesswoman. And I think that shows through. And I think it shows through especially. So that was the last um, story that I heard personally of how they met. Um, but throughout all the accounts, um, it's basically known that this is a fact. It's known that however way they met and got married, she demanded that Zhang Yi give her 50% of everything that he was in control of. And he agreed to it. Okay, you know what that makes me think, though? That it might have been actually like a love at first sight. I know, sight I was going to say. Your abducted captive does not have that pull over you. Yeah. He must have actually Which is why really I'm like her. really inclined to have them more like romantic yeah. sounding ones because he agreed to it. He was like, okay, <laughs> like, Bro. there must've been something about her that he was just like, I'll give this woman anything, including 50% of the men that I'm in charge of. Girl. So yeah, again, she was a very shrewd businesswoman, and she knew exactly how to secure her place. Um, yeah. So that was really cool of her. 
So it was all of his wealth and then all of his pirate fleet, which at the time before, you know, when they got married was not as big as it would be one day under her command. So, um, uh, they, uh, Zhang Yi and Qingxi were together for about six years. Um, they would have two sons, um, and the sons would be raised like on the boats with them. Hey, that would be a cool um, childhood, <laughs> right? Um, and, uh, so, yeah, again, um, Qingxi was very much not a, like, non-active member. She was she was in charge. And actually, there's, there's like, accounts of Zhang Yi being, like, you know, big, intimidating, scary, um, and, like, but kind of in the loud way, not, like, that mm-hmm. quiet power. And that's very much what Qingxi was, that quiet power. Like, you didn't want to get on Zhang Yi's wrong side, but oh my god, you were terrified if Ching Shi was mad at you. I love it. And she apparently from day one demanded just an insane amount of respect from everyone uh, on any of the boats that they kind of were in charge of. Um, so uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, uh, six years after uh, Zhang Yi and Ching Shi were married. Um, uh, Zhang Yi died. Um, it seems like they had a pretty good relationship. Like, Yeah, I mean, you know, it, yes, there's not, again, there's not a whole lot known. So, like, from the outside, it seems pretty good. But we really don't know what the nuts and bolts looked yeah, like. Could have been awful. Maybe it was just, just a really good, like, business partnership. <laughs> maybe he knew how ruthless she would be as a pirate. And he was like, I'm going to tap into that energy. <laughs> right? um, you'll terrify my men. <laughs> um, so... I mean, if you're going to be the lady of a ship, I guess you really do have to be, like, scary. Like, yeah. It's a very select And scary in a way that's different from how men are scary. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's a different, I mean, you know, we're dealing with misogyny and everything. So, like, you that's, would have to really be calculative about how. The difference between, how. like, getting in trouble with your dad and getting in trouble with your mom. And if your mom yeah. gives you that look, you know you are screwed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so... Like we said, so Ching Shi technically what did hold the rights to fifty percent um, of all of Zhang Yi's like power, so all of his crews and men and wealth and everything. Um, however, you know there still was a matter of the woman, so she basically goes to all of the captains and is like, "Hey, y'all know me, like, can we just can can I just be in charge here?" Like, <laughs> yeah. and the captains were like, "Okay." Um, but she, just to make sure she wanted to secure, um, her power just a little bit more. So there was technically an heir for all of Zhang Yi's power, um, that he had named, um, before I think even he met Ching Shi. Um, and this was a man by the name of Chung Po Sai. So Chung Po Sai was, um, a former fisherman that got abducted by the pirates um, when he was about 14 or 15. Um, And I don't really know if abducted is a great word because apparently at this time, a lot of fishermen would kind of like moonlight as pirates. Mm. Um, So maybe he just like wanted it to happen, you know? Um, Anyway, so he was kind of taken under the wing of Zhang Yi and eventually they would become lovers, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, so, and apparently it wasn't a big deal, which is also interesting. Um, everyone kind of knew about it. Um, so, but then what's even more interesting is that Chung Po Sai was adopted as an adult by Zhang Yi and then named an heir. So this man who was his lover got adopted when he was an adult 
by an, to be an heir. Maybe it helped. I'm willing to bet that helped the line of succession yeah. credibility. Like, if you say, it was probably, legally, he's my son, I adopted him. Yeah, it was probably, like, a legal thing um, more than anything. So your, crew, your crew can't mutiny if he's yeah, technically your son. exactly. And uh, it was just an interesting chain of events. I mean, you know, it's not like they're biologically related, so, like, that's whatever. But um, but it was just an interesting, like... That is interesting. Abduct, abductee, quote-unquote, um to lover to adopted son that's that would be a weird that's a weird movie. that would be <laughs> yeah. a weird movie but i would um, watch it and even weirder uh how ching she made sure to solidify her place in charge was that she took on chung po sai as her lover heck yeah. and then married him what <laughs> so, like, that was her adoptive son and she, <laughs> yeah she married her adopted son just and husband's lover, and husband's ex lover. So it's a little girl had a plan, though. I mean, she knew what she was doing. Yeah. Um. She made sure that no one could argue with her about being in charge. Yeah. And you know what? The Red Fleet benefited from it because, um, she like we I've been saying she was an insanely shrewd businesswoman, and um, like I said before too, like these uh the pirates of the South China China Sea were incredibly organized. Um, but, and the red flag fleet was by and large, the most powerful of all the fleets. Um, um, so, uh, just as a little, like, you know, spice of how badass she was, um, she would, she was very, very, sorry, I'm like kind of skipping around in my notes right now. She very strictly constro- controlled the activities of her fleet. She coordinated every raid they did on towns. Every piece of like booty, pirate's booty that came back, pirate's bounty, she would hand sort and choose who they were uh, like distributed to. Yeah. Um, she, uh, uh, she had in like her whole region that the Red Free Fleet was kind of like allotted was on lockdown. She basically like a freaking bunny couldn't like mm-hmm. thump its leg without her knowing about it. Like she knew everything. They had towns working for them Whoa. and it was a way to like buy security from them. Um, and uh, like they would supply food, they would supply money, they would supply textiles, they would supply basically anything Dang. these pirates need. And it was in the name of, like, security. So, like, shrewd, shrewd like, you're running this, like, yeah. again, like, a whole kind of alternative army um, to, like, the actual army. Um, so, like, and then, like, um, she fought off successfully advances from the Qing Dynasty um, military, uh, the Portuguese Navy and the East India Company, um, they all tried to fight her and they all lost. Um, yeah. Towards the end of her, like, kind of career, as we'll talk about in a minute, the Qing Dynasty did kind of start to get, like, a leg up on them. Um, but that was... that. I'll talk about that later. It was kind of internal conflict, which was affecting that, too. But um, anyway, so at the height... So, like I said, uh, Zhang Yi did have control of the Red Fleet, but under Qing Shi's uh, rule, it grew from reports of... So Zhang Yi, when they first got married, um, had control of about 300 vessels. By the time Qing Shi um, retired from piracy, 
She controlled 1,800 vessels. Oh, my. (laughs) She literally, what is that? She increased the size of this Navy or this power by 600%, I think that is. Oh, my God. Um, At the height of her power, she had no less than 80,000 men under her control. And that is... Excuse me? I mean, you mentioned Blackbeard earlier. You want to know how many at any given time he had under his control? How many? About a couple thousand. This girl. Oh my god. Blackbeard. The most famous pirate in history. Oh my. Didn't even touch her. Like, didn't even come close what? to competing. She could have flicked Blackbeard off the map with how powerful okay, she was. Okay, but why are we watching Pirates of the Caribbean? I want to watch Pirates of the Red Fleet. I'll get to Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Just insane, complete, like... Wow. Oh my God, the power she had. And she had those men on lock. They respected the crap out of her. She, um, so I, speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean, like there was, at least in um, China, there was a code of like kind of pirate law. Um, parlay. <laughs> um, Hello, Pope. <laughs> um, so there was this already kind of pre-existing code, and I'll go into the general code when I cover like pirates in this area, just in its own episode. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Qingxi did add on to this code, and she had a specific code of conduct for the men and her fleet. So that included... Any suspicion, any hint, any, um, like, inkling, inkling that a subordinate was being, was not being uh, kind of submissive to their superior. Like talking about mutiny and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of talking about mutiny, talking about disobeying orders, talking about, like, st- stealing stuff from, like, mm. the mutual bounty that, like, was allocated to them. Anytime any of that happens, bam, head cut off. Like. Oh, jeez. Um. Like, like, and there's reports of Europeans witnessing, like, as, uh, like, captives on these boats, and they are, like, it was so apparently surprising how unceremoniously and how swiftly this was carried out. They were, like, Bro. crime was committed, executed, like, no ifs, ands, or buts, like, head chopped off, done. Like, literally, <laughs> like, the concept of she just walked by and was, like, he's yep. gone. Like, yeah, no. Um, so that was, I mean, but like, that's how she kept control is she kept yeah. a very firm hand and you know, like, yeah, it's really violent, but these were outlaws. Like these were pirates. It's, it's like they lived, yeah, they culture. lived in that like kind of violence, you know, yeah. like it's, you, you know that when you get into it, that this is going to be, yeah, like you better not step a foot out of line. But yeah. so, um, so yeah, so that was their big one. But actually, she had a lot of rules pertaining to females um, in general. So the big one was if anyone was caught having, um, uh, used, to use the art word, if anyone was non-consensual, non-consensual sex with a female captive, they were executed. Yes, queen, yes. <laughs> If anyone was, this was interesting too, if anyone was caught having consensual sex with a captive, uh, the pirate was executed, and the captive. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, so she was like, "Don't, don't screw around with our captives. We got to get a um, ransom for him. Don't fall in love. Yeah, don't, yeah." Apparently, there was some. She would, if so, if say they like raided a village and they took all their women, the women who were weak, elderly, pregnant, um, or 
undesirable and like those kind of ways they were let go um all of the like attractive eligible females were kept on for like uh bartering pieces but men did have the option to marry them if they wanted to however um they had to remain loyal to that woman for forever or else guess what beheaded yeah <laughs> again it's that parks and rec parks and rec episode where he's like playing music too loud you go to jail <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> under cooking fish believe it or not go to jail yeah. right to jail um yeah so she kept a very firm hand and i do think it's interesting that like all most of her modifications to these like pirate codes were related to like women so it protects women yeah and that you know because again we don't really know her history and how she met Zhang Yi, so she could have been a captain for herself yeah so it could relate back to that experience um which is really interesting but um yeah so that's kind of as much as we know about her time spent active and honestly it was really at the end of the day it was really maybe maybe 15 years that she was active i know you think an Um, empire like that would take like decades decades, i know um but no she just was that badass that people just wanted to work for her Um, i would if i was gonna be a pirate i'd want there was apparently this whole like uh i forget it was some like military force that attacked her and they of course weren't anything to compete with them and instead of like having them all executed she's like hey man i'll show y'all mercy if you come join us and so this entire like small army just joined her fleet like she was recruiting people by the day like fishermen people from the area they just all wanted to work for her because it was at security because these pirates were one the people in charge in this area so, like, they wouldn't have to worry about, oh, my God, my bakery is going to be ransacked by pirates. Yeah. You know, they you were the pirate doing the ransacking. Yeah. Um, so, just stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, like I said earlier, she does retire. And she retires in 1810, which means her kind of years of activity were probably 1795-ish to 1810, um, which is insane. Um, there was, like I kind of hinted at earlier, the Qing Dynasty military did finally start to make an impact on them, and also kind of the structure of the pirates in general kind of started to fall. And this started with a conflict between the Black Fly Fleet, uh, like, ruler, head person in charge, um, and the Red, and Qingxi, so the Red Flag Fleet. Um, and like I said, these rules were kind of put in place to discourage them from fighting each other, but apparently there had been some conflicts and everything. And so it was just kind of starting to crumble. And, uh, the black flag fleet captain, uh, decided he decided first to, okay, I'm I'm calling it quits. And around the same time, the Chinese military or the Chinese government realized we can't really compete with these pirates. Mm. And so they started offering amnesty. And this amnesty was like, not just, Oh, it'll just won't put you in jail. It was like good. Like uh, men were promised. Pirates were promised land. They were promised um, that they didn't have to pay taxes. Whoa. They were promised like an actual chance at like living and like a non outlaw life, um, which is really interesting. So, the Black Flag Fleet captain kind of caved first and um, secured that future for his man, for his men. So after that, Ching Shi was more inclined to kind of um, kind of give in to that uh, and just kind of like let this time in her life end, which was probably for the best because from what I understand, there wasn't really like a dramatic end to like pirates. I think they just kind of fizzled out. Um, and it was because the government was willing to 
offer these pack like basically care packages for yeah. them. Well, um, if you've made a ton of gold pillaging and plundering, yeah. and you're like, I could have all this money with no taxes and just yeah. build and retire the rest of my mm-hmm. life, I'd probably do it too. Yeah, and the government was so like, just please stop. <laughs> we'll we'll do anything. Just please stop. <laughs> so she apparently spent two days um, bargaining with the Chinese government on what exactly her retirement package would look like and what benefits would come to her men. And what a businesswoman. Yeah, and so she was able to retire and got off scot-free, um, was able to keep all of her wealth. Um, she just had to give up piracy. Oh so, um, again, I, I want to work for this lady, too. I can't blame them. <laughs> Um, Can you imagine how that would look in a movie scene? And just her walking into the palace to like negotiate with someone, <laughs> yeah. and literally just like escorted oh by her little pirate guards. Yeah. Like- so, um, so little is known for her after this. Known for, about her after this 1810, uh, her retirement in 1810. Uh, she. We do know that her husband Chung Po Sai now was in the, I believe, Portuguese Navy. And he rose in the ranks pretty high, um, and he passed away in 1822. Um, but in 1813, uh, Ching Shi would have another child. I heard that it was a boy, and I heard it was a girl, so I don't know who it was. <laughs> but she had a child, um, and uh, yeah, she kind of just laid low for a couple years. There's rumors of her starting a gambling hmm. house. I'm not sure how true that is. Um, Seems kind of fun. There's also rumors of her, after the success of her gambling house, she opened another brothel, um, which would just bring it all full circle. So I'm not sure exactly how true that is. I feel like the gambling thing and the the brothel thing could just be wishful thinking of like, oh, this woman's still living on the edge. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently, there's some court documents, though, like right towards the end of her life in 1844. Well, in 1840. She died in 1844 when she was 69. But in 1840, she apparently tried to scam the government um, (laughs) (laughs) by like saying like, oh, my my husband was like promised this money, but he didn't get I didn't get it after he died. And they were like, that's not true. (laughs) And she was like, did her husband die? Yeah, in 1822. Oh, oh, sorry. I see. Yeah, Chung Po Sai. Yeah. yeah. Um, So she she tried till the day she died to like get get some money out of the government, which is good for her. But um, so with the brothel that was rumored to open up, was she a sex worker or was she like the no no? I think she was leader. Yeah, she was in charge. Yeah. Which again, if I was going to be a sex worker, I would want someone. Kind yeah, of as I would fierce. want someone as bad. I feel as like that she would. I feel like she would protect me. <laughs> I mean, if she protects her female captives that she's literally mm-hmm. ransoming, she probably protected her ladies yeah. very well. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's one thing that I, in my notes, skipping around, I forgot to touch on. But so I'm not sure how familiar like everyone is with English or European pirates, but it was taboo to have a woman. Excuse me, it's my laptop. Um, it was taboo to have a woman even on the boat mm-hmm. like I was curious about bad that. luck um total like no no like women were bad luck for european pirates not allowed however women on chinese pirate ships were like normal apparently mm-hmm. I, I guess if these pirates were taking wives out yeah of- they were taking they were taking wives and they were they were having wives on the boats with them and there's some reports of families being on the votes with them. I, yeah. And it might be why they were so successful because they didn't have to, like, just live that kind of nomadic life of... 
of like a um, woman in every port like they had like a more firm foundation well it's like the european pirate movies sorry for using this as a reference but they're always like married to the sea and it's like yeah i want you love and they never like Mm -hmm. they just like give up their lives when they go to sea but i mean if speaking of pirates of the caribbean which i will touch on more in a minute but like will literally has to leave his wife (laughs) for 10 years at a time i mean i know it's a curse and stuff but like that's the point you know it's like i can't I have to be on the ocean and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. So I think it was just kind of a really big cultural difference, which I think is a cool one. But could you imagine being a kid raised on a pirate boat? I don't know. That'd, that'd be, be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I've been talking about parts of the Caribbean this whole time. But um, they actually did depict what is believed to be ching in the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie. That's her? Yeah. <gasps> so when you're looking at, it's the scene with like the nine pirate lords. Oh my God. Um, there is a Lord Ching depicted and it is a woman. Um, however, if it was accurate, which I mean, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. What, what can we ask for? <laughs> yeah. If it was accurate, she would have been the most powerful one at that table. Much more powerful than Davy Jones, Jack Sparrow. I mean, what? Jack Sparrow had like one boat maybe two at the most yeah at any given time she had eighteen thousand. no no no, not eighteen thousand. Eighteen hundred. One thousand eight hundred boats 80 000 men davy jones never would have had a chance not a chance oh no sorry at that point they are fighting the uh british east india trading company not davy and jones. you know what she would have helped them win yeah she would have depicted it accurately yeah but that's why they couldn't do it accurately yeah they're like we have to have elizabeth swan say yeah i know um but yeah like you said earlier oh my god could you imagine like a pirates level movie about this woman i would eat that shit up jerry bruckheimer's number (laughs) (laughs) but like it doesn't even need i mean i know i mean like you know we're historians and we want things to be historically accurate don't give it to the history channel but but her life it's already so fantastical just in what we know about mm-hmm. her. And there's not that much we know about her. So it would be so easy to like fill in the gaps with yeah. like fun, cool stuff. Like, I don't know, like Adventures and- going to, where do they go? Parts of Caribbean, all those all ancient those Greek places. places. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. That'd be pretty fun. That'd be incredible. I oh would my God, watch right? the hell out of that. You know who should we tell about this? Oh my god. <laughs> we have we have, we have a friend who would eat this stuff up, but uh we don't he doesn't really talk to us anymore. Not out of to not me, anything bad. He just doesn't talk to anyone. <laughs> to be fair, I haven't texted him in a hot minute either. I tried texting him once and he did not respond to me. But it's okay. <laughs> He's that kind of guy. But yeah. yeah. He would he would write it well too. He would really he he wants to go into like movie writing or T V show writing, but he would write it well. He would um, it would not be a History Channel-esque no. interpretation. No. Oh, my God. Anyway, if y'all know any, you know, executive movie producers, maybe, yeah. you know, let them listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will help write and research for it. Oh, my God. Such a Literally, cool. for both of us, dream job is, like, historical it's consultant like on TV films. Shows. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. We, we both be historic consultants and... I could do costuming. You could do I costuming. Could do oh, my God. Ugh, dream job. Uh, <sighs> um, the history um, fates are listening to us. They will. Yeah, they will please, send podcast <laughs> gods. Send us a career. Yeah, because we don't have great prospects <sighs> in our field right now. Uh, does anyone? <laughs> no. No. Fair. No. Right. Well, 
That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. That's an awesome one. Thank you. Really cool women the, today, I think. It was a fun yeah. episode. It was a good way to start off Women's History Month. Yeah. We, had, we found two badass women. I know. And also, not to be like that, but I really appreciate that neither of them were white. Yeah. No. And, 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 you know, white women are not important in history. I just feel like they're out of the women groups that are definitely the most represented. So yeah. I'm glad that yeah. we're taking some time to, like... I don't think either of us did it intentionally either, but I just... Did not do it intentionally, actually, yeah. yeah. We just wanted to talk about two really cool women. Yeah, and we live in America, too, so, like, we were trying to we're trying to make sure that we're we getting represent other countries global, and yeah. global perspectives, too, mm-hmm. so... Which, unfortunately, does come with name pronunciation, so you will <laughs> have will to bear with it. us in the future. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to pronounce um, a French name and be like, Jacques, like, I'm going to mess <laughs> it up. Maybe I can help you out a little bit with yeah. that. But, yeah... Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for listening. Um, yeah. If you want to, if you got like some really cool people you want to hear about, add us on Twitter or email us. Or every Thursday, I try to like tweet out a emoji version of our. It's this not is working a too well. Yeah. Uh, well, we only have a couple followers, so yeah. So if you yeah, know, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. If you can guess the episode based on our emojis, it's it's like a little game. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll shout you out on the show. Yeah. Be like this week our first accurate guest was blank yeah and that could be you yeah it could be you well could be you yeah Um, is there again our twitter is at t-i-n-a-h-l podcast and our gmail if you want to talk to us for longer than 240 characters is this is not a history lecture at Mm gmail.com and do we want to close out with a fun fact fun fact Um, sure cat go oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) you brought it up you know what we did one of these last week? Um, Marilyn Monroe and the Queen, born 1926. Same year. What? Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Oh that's a weird one, too. I know. Last year we did MLK Jr. in yeah, Anne Frank. We did. So. Wow. Yeah. More perspectives for your history. Yeah. Yeah. And putting things time. in context, it takes a lot. It's weird. Yeah. Because everything seems like it happens differently, but. It does. Yeah. Well, enjoy like, your weeks, guys. Enjoy and- your week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye, guys. Bye.